When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Just like that, the final hour is here for Hot Mike with Hutton with Rowe across the Outkick Network on this Wednesday edition. Hit the YouTube page. It's where you can find the live stream. If you're listening to this great radio partner, we say thank you. Search out Outkick on YouTube. You can find all the great shows, including Tommy Lair and his Fearless, coming up on t- tomorrow, Thursday, 7 o'clock Eastern, Matt Ariza, the punt god, who was accused of being a part of a gang rape at San Diego State, released by the Bills. He has since not faced any criminal charges, and he will join Tommy tomorrow one-on-one at 7 o'clock Eastern. Chad, um, I was impressed with what I heard from Adam Silver yesterday. And Adam Silver, commissioner of the NBA, sat down with Malika Andrews of ESPN ahead of the draft lottery where they hit a variety of topics, but specifically John Morant. And we know the backstory here. Silver flew in Morant to visit with him and meet with him prior to the suspension being announced back in March, where he was on the, he was getting therapy down in Florida. Counseling, I believe is how it was. Drive-through counseling is a, a great line by Shannon Sharp because he was there for a matter of days, not weeks. And then he ends up at the office of the NBA with Adam Silver, and they have a chat behind the scenes. And Silver releases a statement at that time, right after the suspension was announced, saying that he felt like Morant was contrite and that he meant what he said. And he doubled down on that yesterday on ESPN in regards to his reaction after having that conversation, after laying down the eight-game suspension, not even two months later, seeing John ja Morant on Instagram Live holding a firearm while his buddy was filming. Here is Adam Silver discussing the incident. What did you say to him about how much more severe it would be if he did this again? Well, we, we talked directly about the consequences first before we got to a subsequent um, potential to have done something wrong. We were very focused on the misconduct that was in front of us at the time. And, and frankly, most of our conversation was about how incredibly serious the first incident was of waving you know, a firearm on, you know, on social media. And again, you know, the, and the consequences there, an eight-game suspension was pretty serious and something that he, at least to me, seemed to take incredibly seriously in that time. And we spoke for a long time about not just the consequences that could have on his career, but the safety issues around it. Um, could have injured, maimed, killed himself, someone else with an act like that. And also the acknowledgement that, as you said, he's a star. I mean, he has an incredibly huge following. Yeah. And that my concern, and I thought he shared with me, that 
millions if not tens of millions of kids globally would see him as having done something that was celebrating in a way you know that that act of 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 sort of of so of, of using a firearm in that fashion and so i at least was left um with the sense that he was taking this incredibly seriously so honestly i was shocked when i saw this weekend that video now we're in the process of investigating it um, and we'll figure out exactly what happened to the best we can then. It's again, it's the video's a bit grainy and all that, but I'm assuming the worst, you know, and, uh, but we'll, fi- we'll figure out, you know, exactly what happened. There's Adam Silver on ESPN discussing this, the commissioner of the NBA, Chad, who you can tell is frustrated and he said it shocked. That's the word, but also reports through Dan Patrick that Patrick is hearing it's going to be a lengthy suspension. I know some are throwing out there, oh, maybe it's you know 16 games instead of eight, or maybe it's 20 games to begin the season. Dan Patrick's saying upwards of 40 to 50 games. 40, 40 games, half the season. Um, John Moran also spoke via a statement to Adrian Wojnarowski last night, two days after everything went down, and he said, I quote, uh, quote, I know I've disappointed a lot of people who have supported me. This is a journey, and I recognize there's more work to do. My words may not mean much right now, but I take full accountability for my actions. I'm committed to continuing to work on myself. That from John Morant. This kind of goes back to the drive-through therapy that we kind of mocked at the time because it was such a quick turnaround where he goes to a facility in Florida, and then he's back, and then he's back with the team shortly after that. There's this underlying discussion to be had about this John Morant situation and the responsibility of a league to help someone who may actually be in trouble that is employed by them, even if that person doesn't really want help. Is this a cry for help from John Morant that he's doing this thing that is so surprising to Adam Silver after meeting with him and after what he said after the the last incident? Or is this a lifestyle? Is this a guy saying, screw you, Adam Silver, in the league, I am who I am. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to rap along to these lyrics. I'm going to hold a gun in my hand while I do it. I'm going to go on Instagram Live while I do it. And you're not going to change me from that. I, I don't... Again, it's a it's a good discussion to have. I don't know what the league can do for a guy who doesn't think he's in the wrong. And the more John Morant does these things, and it's not just the video in the strip club with a gun in this video. It's, it's other gun-related incidents that this is clearly who he believes he is at this point in his life. And, and who un- he wants to hang out with. Yes, and unfortunately, Hutton, things don't really change if that's what you believe until something really severe happens. That could be a friend getting killed. That could be going to jail. That could be a lot of different things, but you don't want it to get to that point. But if you're the league, and Adam Silver's even saying that, we talked about the safety issues with it, that you could have maimed yourself or killed yourself or someone else, all of those things, if you don't care, what can you do for the guy? I I don't know because we don't know John Morant's heart right now and where he is. We had Doc Holliday from Memphis on who said a lot of nice things about the guy, but I don't don't see a guy in that video or with what he said and done since then that truly wants to change. Yeah, but in and of itself, that video isn't suspension-worthy. 
right? It's it's the litany of things and how they've played out, all in the the recent calendar picture of how we view this news. We started talking about this right around the season starting when news was coming out about the incident either at the Foot Locker or the one at his home where he's having a pickup game and yeah. he's getting into a fight with a teenager. And then it started to snowball from there. Then that, the Pacers incident took place and the crew he's hanging out with. You've got his dad arguing with people on the sidelines of NBA games. You have... From there, what happened in Denver with the footage and the security cameras picking up things. And, oh, by the way, the Grizzlies and the NBA, I mean, they're not doing anything with the NBA knowing about it, changing their protocol for stayovers in cities in order to make sure that incidents like this weren't going to continue on the course of the season and they would reassess their protocols in the offseason. And immediately upon this video coming out over the weekend, they're suspending him indefinitely from team activities. I don't know how many team activities are going on with a team that's out of the playoffs at this point. Point being, the Grizzlies immediately responded to it after doing everything the John Morant way behind the scenes prior to this. And it's now in the NBA and the Grizzlies court more so than John Morant because it's on John Morant now. He's responsible for these actions. And there are policies in place and meetings that took place and Adam Silver's words on the line to uphold by, right? He, he, Silver's got to live up to what he said, not just with in this previous interview that we just played, but going back to the statement and going back to what they said privately. Morant knows that too. And I think that Silver's taking it as a shock, knowing that the guy that sat across from him or wherever they were when they met didn't, didn't portray himself as someone who was just going to, less than two months later, do the exact same thing on camera again. And while there are some people who just can't help, I find it hard to believe that at 23 years old, without an arrest on his record, that you can't try to get through to him more than what they've already done in terms of the drive-through therapy and counseling and everything else, which was just a, it was a mirage, right? It was window dressing for the story while they continued the investigation. It's more than just that one investigation in Denver, though. It is a saga now. There's a timeline. And... You know, the, the worst stories have a long timeline, and this one's getting lengthy. And for the first time, a vast majority of those covering the NBA, those who have played in the NBA, those who just care about the kid and care about, you know, what Morant's going to do with his future laid out in front of him with all these mega deals lined up with Nike and Powerade and others, hey, get everything back on track because everything is right there for the taking. And maybe he's not the type of guy that wants to be the face of a franchise. Maybe he's the guy that doesn't want to be the superstar. But he's going to have to admit that. And the Grizzlies and the NBA are going to have to admit that. Because I think they're, they're taking the stance of the eight-game suspension through the lens of Nike and Powerade already on board, vetting him, knowing that they want him to be the face of their brands. And in terms of young talent, it's John Morant around the NBA that has the chance to grab the brass ring. He doesn't have to. Maybe he doesn't want to. And maybe this is a situation where he's reverting back to just hanging with the friends that he's been with because that's who he is at his heart, and he doesn't want to be the face of a league or face of a franchise. Yeah, he doesn't have to want to take the brass ring to be in the face of the, the league or the franchise or whoever, 
that's fine. You can't embarrass the league over and no, over again. That's right. And you can't make the commissioner out to be a punk. And that's what he did. Now, that's why Adam Silver, he talks about being shocked. I'm shocked because I sat there and gave the guy a stern warning and told him how bad he makes me look and the league look with this type of stuff. And he goes and does pretty much the exact same thing a couple of months later. I, I would be shocked, too, if I were him. And, look, I'm not saying that John Morant's beyond help at this point in his life, but it's very clear that those around him are not very smart and aren't great role models or aren't able to give him good advice or unwilling to do so. Maybe they want to, but they're unwilling to do so because it's such a subservient relationship at this point. This happens a lot with pro athlete celebrities. You get a lot of yes men around you, and those yes men and women can be in your family. He's got his mom calling him from a footlocker saying, bring your boys down here to go rough up this manager at this store. This is not a great family dynamic in terms of mentor-mentee when you look at John Morant. Is there anyone in his life that has the authority and has his respect? That's the key here. It's not about society's respect for someone. Does John Morant respect and trust anyone in his life enough that can give him solid advice to start to make some changes with this behavior and with with this decision-making? If the answer is no, I'm not sure how the league can force it. And mark my word, this is going to be a lengthy suspension because if not, Adam Silver looks incredibly weak. And the one thing you don't want to be is a weak monarch when you are the head of a multi-million dollar organization and a league like the NBA, you do not want to come across as weak. Gave him the eight-game suspension. At the time, we thought that's pretty fair. You know, it's a good amount of games. Seems like the right thing to do. But with that suspension came the warning of, do something like this again, it's going to be much worse. Silver better follow through on that that threat. I don't know how and I think I think it's going to be at least... I said maybe a full season. I think a half of a season seems pretty fair also. That with, seems to be the route it's with, going. With a list of other things that he's going to have to do. Yeah, you've got to meet these just to come back halfway through the season. Yeah. Because, I mean, at this point, while we could all be shocked or surprised or whatever, um, are we going to be surprised if we see it again? No. Because we, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. So, no, I won't be surprised. But it is on Morant, first and foremost. But the league can't just turn around and be like, you're suspended, go about your business. If you want to you know, actually help him, set forth guidelines that are going to put him on that path. Because the dude is, he's not just talented, he's among the most talented in the NBA. And the faces of the league, Chad, are 35 years old or older. If you really think about yeah, he's the, the next, stars he's of the He's the next league, batch that's he's up that and guy. coming. He's that guy. There's going to be a new coach in Phoenix. A big surprise with Monty Williams was fired. Surprise because he led the Suns to the NBA Finals in 2021. Back-to-back Western Conference Finals and semifinal runs. And you've got a coach who now joins a list of coaches that are going to be highly sought after in what is a carousel of coaches across the NBA. But you also have some of the standard run-of-the-mill reaction from former players, from those in the media, the most recent one being Steven Jackson. Here's Steven Jackson's reason on the Paper Route podcast as to why Matt Ishbia, the new owner of the Suns, fired Monty Williams, their head coach. 
You bring this team together at the end of the year. I don't care if you got KD or not. Chemistry still matter. Mm -hmm. I don't care what stars you have. Chemistry still matter. They still need time. Even I said, even I said, yeah, if they lose, they was gonna give this team another year minus CP3. I said that mm -hmm. give this team another year to kind of go have a whole season of training camp and all this together to see if they can pull it off. I mm -hmm. didn't think they was gonna get rid of the coach. I think he was the right coach for the job. But you know how they do. When teams when teams come together like this, they quick to go and find a white a white coach mm. somewhere around, just throw him in that position so he can get all the credit. I don't oh, care. Man. Yeah, I said it. They do it too much. So every time a black coach coming to the league, he get the worst team in the league to get to start his career off under 500 mm -hmm. coaching. He got a sorry team and he can't. He uh, his team won't win till he's like six years in coaching where he finally gets some stars. Situation like this, they always find a white coach somewhere around, just like they did Steve Nash in Brooklyn. Don't throw him in the spot where the team is really already basically together. I think Monty Williams is, is a great coach, and that's why as soon as he, uh, in the next day or two, you're going to see him coaching somewhere else. He should have been having that job. They did Monty wrong. They know they shouldn't have done that. We use Steve Nash as an example in Brooklyn. Guess who, guess who wanted Steve Nash as the head coach initially? Kevin Durant. Yeah, that's why they did it. Kevin Durant. And guess who's on the Phoenix Suns roster now? Kevin Durant, along with Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Um, whoever they end up hiring. And by the way, the, the top guy at the list that I was reading last night is Tyron Lue. Yeah. That's who the Suns are rumored to be wanting to interview and talk to and hire first atop their list. You think Matt Ishby is bringing that in if he doesn't talk to the stars that are a part of the team that he just purchased? And right after news came out that Monty Williams was fired, Stephen A. Smith on ESPN said, I'm going to say it. DeAndre Ayton got Monty Williams fired from last year's saga, not this year's saga. And Matt Ishby is coming in as a new owner, and Ayton is... You know, still one of his part, better players. One of his better players, but now he's not a, a part of the big three. But the drama from within, whatever the new owner wants to do, he can absolutely do with what Ishbia's prerogative would be there. And if you start going down the list, chat, I mean, if Mike Budenholzer ends up being the new head coach of the Phoenix Suns, that's not a bad thing. And you know who else will say that? Kevin Durant and Booker and Paul and others. It's not always just based on black coach, white coach. But if we're just going to continue that Doc Rivers is, is also uh, on the market, he's available for uh, hire if Phoenix wants to go in that direction. And again, it's the Kevin Durant decision as a big part of this. Yeah, I mean, look, ha half of the teams left playing right now are coached by an African-American head coach of the four, two of the four that are left. Uh, look around the league, that's less of a problem now. I just get tired of rehashing arguments, I think, that could have been made with more validity 30 years ago. Like, this sounds like sure. something you could have made 30 years ago and it would have been, you know, groundbreaking that someone said it, but it would have been a lot more true then. Why are we trying to go back? Well, I feel like we keep trying to go back in time with arguments that don't really exist here. I, but it, I, And I agree. And the other thing, too is what the NBA does in terms of coaching and going back is they just go back to old coaches and just recycle them on other organizations. That happens all the time. And also, I mean, he, he said they're going to bring in another white coach and give them all the credit when they win. Well, who was the last NBA coach to get all the credit it for a championship? That Steve Kerr's won multiple championships. I'm not rushing to give Steve Kerr all the credit. For that championship, you know who gets credit for it? Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green and Kevin Durant 
when he was on the team. It's the players in the NBA. It's a player-driven league. They're going to get the credit. I don't know what media he's reading or what troll tweets he's seeing that's going to be rushing to give the head coach, whether it be white or black, all the credit if the Suns win the championship next year. The Suns win the championship, pretty sure Devin Booker, Kevin Durant are going to get most of the credit for that one. Well, That's not a, the case in, the, in that again, league. It's just a lazy argument because, I mean, we heard it from the Houston Texans. What, four of each of, each of the last four seasons we've seen them change coaches. And it was always, oh, they're firing the black coach. They're firing the black. Well, they always hired. They hired, hired a black, a black coach. coach. And they've done it again with D'Amico Ryans and the six-year contract to make sure that he didn't go to Denver. Uh, it's the lazy argument, and it ends up you know, being a, a headline because it gets clicks. But there's no validity to this, especially if you're not willing to even wait to see who the next head coach is going to be. And right now it's Tyron Lue. I mean, is there going to be a retraction from Steven Jackson if Tyron lose the hire? Of course no. not. They're going to move, going to move right on but, to the next. But it is another racial fire to stoke. Retread coach, though. But the players respect him. Look, it, we we can have a long form discussion on in all of pro sports the retread coaches getting chance after chance after chance and not trying to cultivate young talent right. and give someone else a chance. That has long been an issue. I think in in multiple pro sports, but this is not a race issue. And Monty Williams, is a good and Monty coach. Williams, he's done a really nice job. And there. Stephen Jackson makes the case that you know it's racist. They're trying to get a white coach in there, but he also says Monty Williams, is a good coach. He's going to have a job tomorrow. He's going to have a job. Well, which is it? If the league is racist and owners are racist, he's not getting a job immediately. He's out of the league at this point because he had his one chance and he didn't didn't you know he got fired. He's not. He's going to get another chance. He's going to get hired by someone. Steven Jackson even said he's getting hired by someone. It's remarkable, though, how even the successful coaches in the NBA, very a very small percentage of that group actually gets to stick around and see it through, right? Yeah. It's, it's crazy to think about the, the good coaches that have won titles or that have taken their teams to become winning organizations and back to the finals for a chance to win their first title in the case of Phoenix. And they're out the door fast. Kerr's the only winning championship winning coach over the last, what, five years that's still around? I don't even think you have to go back that far. And I can count to two. Budenholzer, by the way, was also fired. Just got that fired. He was the number one seed in the East, and he lost his star player and, and lost the first round. That by the way, racist. lost to a Miami Heat team that is still playing in the Eastern Conference Finals, has a good chance to go to the finals. He got fired. No one was talking about race with that one. But not only that, I can count to two on coaches who legitimately get credit in the NBA for their team's culture and success. It's Greg Popovich and it's Eric Spolstra. Well, and Kerr. Kerr is also... I think Kerr gets some credit, but I really think if we went to the credit meter, I would show you that Steph Curry gets ultimate credit we're even talking about Steph Curry delivering the speech to the team that said, "Keep your keep your bleeps home if you're not going to be a, if you're going to be getting your emotions about this series before Game Seven against the Kings." Well, so I think Curry gets most of the credit there. But but Kerr's not taking the fall for what was you know the a season where they couldn't win on the road, and in many cases the coach would be taking the fall for it. Kerr does not do. No, that. I think Kerr's a strong coach. And, don't get me wrong. And Draymond Green is even going on. And saying, hey, you know, it's on me whenever I punched Poole 
uh, back in the was it the preseason or during a practice back in November? It, I think the Cold season was about him. to start or just started. Yeah, he said, "Hey, I, it was bad for team morale," um, and he's pointing to that being the reason why it ended up being what it was for the Warriors. So it's not on Kerr. There, I think in, in many cases. And by the way, new owner comes in and wants to spend a billion and go and he can go in and assess what he wants and bring in the leader of the organization from the coaching perspective that he wants to go down the path with. That's also totally fine. And it happens in all the sports. Yeah, a good article up at OutKick, too, about the Draymond Green situation. Kudos to Stephen A. Smith, um, who had him on his simulcast last night of the game, and he point-blank asked him about punching Jordan Poole and how that affected the team. And he came out and said... Yeah, it had a big effect. Now, he went at it a different way than most of us would, basically saying, I couldn't lead the team because I did that. It took me over half the season to speak up about what was going on on the road and what was going on with the team. Here's the audio of that with Draymond Green. Because when you speak about the foul, when you speak about all of the slippage that we had as a team on the road, not being able to come together, none of those things happen if that doesn't happen. Because the voice that I am uh, and the departments that I lead this team in, there was a ton of slippage due to me sitting back, me not saying anything, me trying to allow that situation to play itself out and giving it mm. time to heal. Well, while you're giving it all of that time, guess what? I, and I would say probably by February, I started to feel like myself again to speak more. But guess what? Those five months of a season where slippage has just been occurring. And by February, if that slippage has been going on that long, you are who you are at that point. You've built those habits. You've built bad habits. That is who you are now. So to try to correct them then, it's like, okay, Okay, you may get a little better. We did. We ended up in the second round of the playoffs, but not at a championship level. Yeah, something was brewing beneath the surface there for sure with Jordan Poole and Draymond Green. It goes back further than just the the punch and the... I mean, he was trash-talking Dylan Brooks more than he was worried about what was behind the scenes and the uh, the, uh, aspect of keeping the Warriors grouped together. Um, And ultimately, they got into gear and get past the Kings only to fall to the Lakers. Coming up, Chad, let's dive into the Mets. I know you're apprehensive to say, hey, yeah, it, they're spending a ton of money. It's a great roster, good rotation. Wins aren't there, dot, 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 yet. There's the yet word that you want to add to it. I want to see why. Plus, the Yankees. The cheating allegations continue, but it doesn't mean that Aaron Judge is in the middle of it for this conversation. That's next on Hotline. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hit us up in the chat on YouTube. Give us the like button while you're there. Subscribe to the channel. Just search out OutKick on YouTube. Chad, the Mets payroll. Something we have dissected for a few months now. 
you're saying, based on where they are right now, hit the brakes on the burial or planning the funeral, despite all of the money and all the expectations not showing up on the win-loss column yet? Because the standings, what are they, five, six games back right now? Yeah, they're, they're fine in the standings, and, and it's mid-May. I, the main reason I'm saying this, it's mid-May. And yeah. I saw the Mets with, I believe, a 12-game lead on the Braves in June or July, and the Braves won the division. Caught them in August. Yeah, so things can happen. You know, the, 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 it's, it's, here is where I do think there's legitimate – I think the pitching thing will get worked out when those guys are healthy, and they're going to be fine. From, their rotation's really good. If healthy. On that scoring. But Kurt Schilling brought it up with us. Yeah, their their lineup is not delivering right now. And their lineup isn't overly scary. Their starting rotation is scary. Their lineup isn't isn't as scary as some others. But it is, I mean, it looks like an all-star team. Yeah. Oh, well, it, it should it be. It is. With how much they're shelling well, out in salaries for those guys. And you know they're facing the pressure. Yeah, that's, th- that's the other thing. is if, the, if they're going to fold to the pressure of losing the division last year with the lead that they had, what's the pressure like with the payroll on top of this from ownership? Not just, not just from the fan base and from the media, just from ownership. Putting the money behind the team and saying, we're going to go win a World Series. Steve Cohen is becoming a, a modern-day George Steinbrenner. And we're going to pay you a ton of money. You better deliver. You better win division championships and world championships. That is the goal. That's what we're going to do. He hasn't shown that big, boisterous of a personality yet to go along with those paychecks that he's sending out. But he is becoming that with the payroll of this Mets team. And you want to talk about pressure. I think pressure on two franchises in the NL East, Mets and Phillies. Phillies are currently two games under 500. Mets are three games under 500. Braves lead the division at 26 and 16, 10 games over 500, very early right now. But those are franchises with pressure. The Phillies went on a great run a year ago. They've got a big payroll also. They've got some all-stars. I think you look at both of those teams that are under a microscope right now. Hey. And meanwhile, you've got the steady Eddie Braves sort of doing their thing even without their starting rotation that's very injured. They're finding a way to get by. They're running up against the tough part of the schedule right now, but I think Mets, Phillies, tons of pressure. Braves, not as much, and the Braves are playing like they're not under a lot of pressure, unlike those teams. Should also mention the NL West, where the Padres have the third highest payroll behind only the Mets and the Yankees. And they are, what, seven games back right now in the NL West. And this is a Padres organization they have put everything behind trades and signings in recent years they've they've been all in they're 11 and 12 at home 9 11 on the road they're two and eight in their last 10 games i can't equate pressure with the city of san diego at all i feel like that's just a place where no, it just it's a different vibe doesn't go hand in hand right i mean even if you are one of the You're highest right. paid teams in baseball i'd never think about a team in san diego being under any pressure and you in, know what they, in a place Sutton, where you don't need heat or air conditioning because it's a perfect 72 degrees perfect. year-round, then there's not a lot of pressure. And part of that is being on the West Coast. Yeah. You know, not seeing them nearly as much. Certainly paid attention to the Yankees uh, as following up what we saw on Monday night. And Judge, of course, on Monday glances over to the dugout, which, by the way, the Blue Jays pitchers come out and said, yes, I admit it, I was tipping my pitches and I figured it out uh, <laughs> after all of this. 
And I think it's pretty clear that Judge is looking for uh, tips on what the pitcher and the catcher are doing in tipping those pitches, and he crushes the 460-foot home run, the second of the game. Hits another one on Tuesday. But the storyline wasn't all rise for the judge, Aaron Judge. It was Yankees pitcher Domingo uh, Herman, who was ejected for using a legal substance, sticky substance, on, uh, from the mound, on, on the baseball. And, man, I, I love the drama of this. You had the Blue Jays manager, uh, John Schneider, who was getting after it with the third base coach for the Yankees. And then um, starts yelling into the other dugout, the, the Yankees dugout, I don't know to who, and was saying, yeah, get, stay over there, fat boy, is what he said. <laughs> I love that. I mean, and there, you could tell that was in re- response to whatever had happened the night before. And then in this case, you've got Herman who gets caught with the, with the foreign substance, the sticky substance, which I still don't understand the gauge for that. You know, it's umpire by umpire, and it's crew by crew, and it's whatever they choose and deem unworthy. It's like the definition sticky. of obscenity. You know it when you see it, yeah. I guess, is the type of thing. Yeah, but there you go. Blue Jays pitcher admits that he was tipping his pitches. But, I mean, I, he didn't have to tip that 3-2 pitch down the middle, down the heart of the plate for Judge. And then Herman is the most recent one, other than Scherzer, to get thrown out of the game. This division is so good. Yeah. Hutton's Orioles in second place, 27-15. Rays are off to a historic start. Blue Jays, Yankees hate each other. We know the Yankees, Red Sox hate each other. I love it. They're only a game and a half apart right now. Last place in that division is three games over 500. (laughs) That is a fun division to follow. I am all in on the bad blood. I want more guys calling someone else fat boy and when, they're, when they're having when they're chirping back and forth. Give me more of this in Major League Baseball. Stay legitimate, over there, fat boy. Legitimate animosity that's building between the Blue Jays and the Yankees. I think it's terrific. I love that Aaron Judge hates the Blue Jays TV crew yes. for calling them out during the game. I mean, this is I Which, love it. But by the way, baseball needs more of this. Shulman was doing his job on that. I appreciate the way the Blue Jays broadcast team handled it. I think Buck Martinez also, the way he brought it up, that he had pointed it out at some point, so they went back and showed it. Or or the producer doing their job said, guys, this is weird. He keeps looking over and played it back for him. Either way, I I thought it was great. And they didn't say, we're not going to make allegations that he's definitely cheating. This is just odd. And even Buck Martinez said, guys would look back when I was catching all the time to try to see what was going on. He hinted that that may be the case but, with Judge. But what made, that, what made that so compelling in great TV is they saw him do it once. And then he had a home run. And then they pointed it out, and they're describing what they saw, and they didn't want to jump to conclusions. And as they're in the middle of that description, oh, he just did it again. And he crushed it. 3-2 count, 462 feet. Yeah. You know, the th- perfect timing. Yes. That's what made it. If it was the grounds- opposite of Tom Brenneman's timing. With the oh, apology yeah. and the home and run a drive that to deep left center field. Very different timing on that one. But the homer made it the story. If he grounds out to short right there, it's a non-headline the next day. You know, yeah. it's like, oh yeah, he was hearing chatter in the dugout. Yeah, it's a it's small little. You get asked about it, and he yeah. says what it was, and then you move on. Um, but instead, it, it became a great moment because I know members of the media doing their job and doing it well. I I thought. Not according to Aaron Judge, who had some strong words for them, apparently.
Riley, Daines, Riley Gaines did a great job on Capitol Hill yesterday. She was testifying in front of Congress um, and in, in regards to the NCAA making, making an addendum to a rule where they made the locker room unisex in order to allow Leah Thomas to dress in the women's locker room ahead of the uh, swimming championships. Here is Riley Gaines' testi testimony yesterday and what the message was she was portraying to Congress. I actually immediately left the locker room, and I went up to one of the officials on the pool deck, and I said, how is this allowed to happen? Uh, you know, I understand the guidelines for the competition, but what are the guidelines in, in regards to the locker room? And he looks at me and word for word says, oh, we actually got around this by making the locker rooms unisex, so it's not a big deal. And I thought about that, and unisex. So this meant that any man could have walked into our locker room, not just a self-identifying female. Any man, any coach, any parent, any official, any man who wanted to would have had full access to, and bare minimum, we weren't forewarned. And actually, Leah Thomas's teammates, who dealt with this every single day all year, when they expressed their discomfort to their administration and they sent an email, um, and I swear I have a screenshot of their response, their administration responded back with, if you feel uncomfortable seeing male genitalia, here's some counseling resources that you should seek. And that's the general consensus of what's happening around the country, which is why I felt it necessary to get in front of colleges and speak. Um, I think it's so important to engage people my age, 22 years old, to understand what's happening, because that's not what you're hearing in the media. And Riley's father, Brad, is in the background just in dismay. And you can imagine, um, you know, how is this allowed to happen at the NCAA level where they change the protocol, they turn a locker room unisex, and you have a six foot four biological male walk in and disrobe and get changed in front of 18 to 22 year old women. It's insanity. Riley Gaines is very impressive, first off. And that video shows it once again. She's been on the show a few times as well. Um, and she, she's one of those people that I feel like in today's time, she makes too much sense for people to listen to for whatever reason. Like, there's just, it's so logical. Everything that she lays out for people to see. And not enough people cover her story. It's, it's, I mean, I'm amazed at the lack of true media coverage across the board that her testimony and her story gets. It's, it's sad, quite it's, frankly. It's receiving it now. We talk about it. Not a lot of other people do. And that's unfortunate because she's making too much sense. And this is one where I want this nameless official exposed. The NCAA official, the dude who tells her, oh, yeah, we made the, the bathrooms and the locker rooms unisex to get around that, so it's no big deal. How is that an answer to someone that's actually coming up with a concern about a valid concern in the locker room, and their response is, well, we made them unisex, so it's not a big deal? I'd love to know who this NCAA official is. I really would. And Congress should be asking that. The NCAA should be asking that. The new president should be asking that. People lose their job for such small things constantly. This is a losing job level offense that that's your response. And whoever's at Penn that gives the response of, uh, we can give you a number to go seek counseling. This was If you don't want to see that, that person should lose their job too. But this was more about optics. It was more about having Leah Thomas hold the trophy and have the medal and win the championship trophy because they tied. They only had one. So for the photo ops, Leah Thomas posed with them. And Riley's was mailed to her. It's, 
it's, it's insanity. It's stupid. And it's disgusting. What she's saying on Capitol Hill, she said in this exact studio a couple of different times over the last couple of months. And finally, we are having the open discussion from the Capitol Hill standpoint, from the congressional hearings and different things of what she's having to portray. And again, and that look that her father had on his his face, Brad right there, that was Hutton. That was kind of our reaction. The first time we interviewed her about it. And she went into detail about everything she saw in that locker room and the response from the NCAA when she had concerns about it. Coming up a dust NATO, not a tornado, a dust NATO at the ball field. What would Chad do in this situation? He's a coach. And, um, probably something heroic. You're looking for a good catcher. Well, Something happened here yeah. where the catcher was caught in a dustnado. Details next. I don't want to call myself a hero, but some would probably describe what I would do as, as heroic. Yeah. The case here as well when we come back on Hot Mike. Chad, do you know why Orlando wants Jacksonville? Uh, the Jaguars, I'm saying, not the city. They, want, want, the, they want to merge the cities together? Jacksonville is so sprawling now, it's eventually going to bleed yes. into Orlando. Well, I mean, Orlando's got fists flying as families are on vacation, and apparently a big fight broke out at, the, uh, at, at Disney World because one family dared to ask the other family to step aside so they could take a family photo in front of the, the Disney sign. I mean, these are... This is like malice at the palace level fist flying. I mean, Disney World. What could possibly be said after that (laughs) that would lead to the fisticuffs that we just witnessed go down? What would the response be that would lead you that someone would not move aside for a photo? Incredible. Fox 35 in Orlando reports the fight broke out when one family asked the other family to step aside. Hun, have you ever been to Disney World or any Disney property? I've been to one, uh, the one in Orlando, uh, once. I don't have any ambition of going back. Uh, what, what are the, the Disney parents called? Well, Whenever there's... You go, you a go solo? Good, well, good buddy of mine, uh, him and his wife, they have a son that's my daughter's age, and they will go on their own without the son. They go on Disney cruises. They go back and go to like, I don't... Is there an adult adults. section of Disney World? They, they go to that. They, they do the whole thing. I do not understand that. Granted, I was there once when I was nine years old with my parents. It was a long time ago. I know Disney World has changed quite a bit over those years. And eventually, uh, uh, the kids will go. You know, We'll take the kids it, to Disney World. But the stress I'm not in a level, huge man. hurry to go. The stress level. And I, I, I'm also a believer. Like Again, I don't have kids. So do whatever you want to, parents. But I think you should take your kids to Disney when they'll actually remember the trip and not before. And I think far too often the it's kids another funny that are there. Yeah. bit about that. He's yeah. like, well, sorry. You're not going to remember any of this. Nope. I guess we shouldn't do a birthday party <laughs> to his daughter. But, um, but no, I, I, I'm with you. There, there is an appropriate age, I feel like. I'll agree with As a parent, I will agree with you that you don't want to go too young. Uh, you, there, there's, an, there's an age where problem is with two – you know, you can't wait until the one is definitely going to remember everything because then the other one's aging out almost. Yeah, yeah and you don't want to. So, like, there's a range there you want to do. I'm yeah. thinking like nine and five would be a good spot to go for the first time with a four year age difference. Chad, an umpire in Florida, seven under baseball league, uh, a dust NATO 
uh, happen. I mean, a legitimate, a dust devil, where you've seen these from time to time. And on the ball field, when it hasn't rained a while, I've never seen one like this. You know, you get a lot of dust in the air, but a catcher for the seven under league was stuck in the middle of this. And luckily the umpire steps into the middle of the dust devil, the, the dust NATO and pulls this catcher out. Looks like wizard of Oz. It really did. And the hat for the umpire flies off and everything. It was a legitimate tornado. I mean, dust NATO or tornado. The, the, I mean, the, the confusion with the little kid catching would have been the confusion on almost any adult's face. If they were just standing at a ballpark or during a game, <laughs> what would you do? And you were swept up in that. I'd have done the same thing. Just pulled the kid out of it. Because if you're looking at it, you can see what's going on, right? But if you're in the middle of it, like that kid was in the vortex. I'm thinking, Chad. So he's looking Chad's out. Chad's trying he's saying, to figure I'm, out how much time's left in this game, and if we keep this inning going, we're going to win. Right. We can't. We can't stop this game for a dust. Can that kid stay in that dustnado <laughs> a little longer? But if you're the kid stuck in it, like you're the confusion of my my vision's been compromised. What's going on? You can't see anything around you, and you're getting moved by the wind. It'd be shocking. <laughs> He's stuck in a vortex. He's in the vortex. That kid's the vortex. I like this ending on a you know positive note like that. Positive story of umpire saving yeah. kid. That's good. Family's fighting. Can mix this what, into every end of the show. What we don't know, which family won? Did the family that wanted the photo win? That you'll have, fist fight? You'll have to watch tomorrow to find out. Back at it, 3 o'clock Eastern for Hot Mike with Hudden Withrow on the Outkick Network. <laughs>